welcome back to another podcast of Beaten Not Broken. I'm your host, Leanne, and on today's episode, we have a very special guest speaker that I'm very excited to talk to. So please give a warm welcome to Bonnie. Bonnie is a domestic violence survivor and speaker. Bonnie, could you give the audience a quick introduction, including your name and how many years you were in a domestic violence relationship? Sure. My name is Bonnie, and I was actually in a domestic abuse relationship for almost 10 years, seven of that we were married. Thank you for sharing that. And I also just want to um, show gratitude and thank you for speaking with me today. And um, thank you for allowing me to share your story with others. Thank you for allowing me to do this, too. So I know the audience is waiting to hear your story, so I won't keep them waiting any longer. So if you could please tell us your domestic violence story from the beginning to the end in as much or as little detail as you feel comfortable sharing. Sure. So I met my abuser when I was 15, so in high school, and he did not go to the same school as me. We met through mutual friends who actually met him online. At first, it was fine, just your normal going out to the movies, whatnot. And slowly, after two years, I started to not have as many friends as I used to. There was a lot of control going on. He would make sure that I called him on my way to work, on my way home from work. He would even come up to my work to make sure that I was actually there. Of course, while I was going through this, I didn't see these warning signs or red flags. My senior year, I was going to go to college and he went with me to tour the college and the whole time we were there he had nothing but negative things to say about it Mm -hmm. and he pretty much told me that if i were to go to college that i would be unfaithful to him and proceeded to tell me that i would be doing things that i don't do let's say and just had no faith in me of going and pretty much talked me into not going by proposing to me and said, if you stay and marry me, I'll give you everything you want. So I ended up staying behind. I did not go to college. We got married when I was 19, almost 20. Right before we got married, like probably like three months prior, was our first physical instance of violence. We had some friends over and he accused me of cheating on one of his guy friends. And he came in the room and slapped me, ripped my shirt off, proceeded to try to make me have sex with him. I fought back, which only tipped him off even more. He did end up leaving the scene, and he was drinking. All the friends that were at our house, they actually all left as well when the violence was going on, because I think they got scared and didn't know what to do. Like, it was uncomfortable. One of them was actually outside of our apartment, and he did come back up to make sure I was okay, and he said, we need to call the cops, and... He was very gentleman. He went and got a blanket and covered me up for, you know, privacy reasons and called the cops. And said that was our first one. He did go to jail for it, but not for very long because mm-hmm. um, a family member paid his bail and got him out. That was in February. We were to get married in May. And at, my mom told me, she said, you know, it's not too late to back out of this wedding. And I said, nope, I'm going to go through with it. Like, it was a one-time thing. He was drunk. Like, I had all these excuses of why it happened. Yeah. And and I also was a pride thing. I said, we already have the wedding invitations out. I have people coming to this. I don't want to let people down. How embarrassing would it be to say, hey, just kidding. We're not actually getting married. Mm-hmm. So we went through with it. And 
I would like to say it was a one-time thing, but it wasn't. There was many other instances. Each one was getting worse. A lot of derogatory names I was called, a lot of the control. Like He even got to the point that I distanced myself from my family. Um, my mom and I were very close, and that got broken up for a little while because I would go there, and he would constantly be calling and texting me then. When are you coming home? What are you doing? Are you really with your mom? Like, just the manipulation and the control and the verbal abuse really takes a toll. And then the physical was the hitting and the slapping. Um, There was an incident that I was supposed to go to a friend's house who lived like a block away from us. At this point, we had two kids together, a two and a half year old and an eight month old. The two and a half year old was at my mom's. I put the baby to sleep and I said, I'm going to my friend's house for her going away party. He called me and said, you know, the baby's crying. I can't get the baby to sleep. I'm like, well, I'll come home, put the baby to sleep. Not a big deal. I got in the house and the baby was sleeping. He had lied to me to get me to come home. And that's the first thing I said when I got in there. I said, baby's sleeping. Like, what are you talking about? And he proceeded to tell me that, nope, I knew that that would get you to come home. And he accused me of cheating on him while I was there. Mind you, I've never cheated, ever. And he pushed me up against the wall. I had my cell phone in my hand, which back then, it was a flip phone. Mm-hmm. And I went to call for 911, and he threw my phone across the room, and my phone broke. So I was not able to call for help. I started screaming because we lived in an apartment complex. Apparently, nobody heard me. I tried to walk away, and again, he grabbed me by my throat and pushed me up against the wall. To which I started kicking, and he pushed me in the chair. And then I knew I needed to get out of there, but I also had a baby I needed to get out of there. So I just walked down the hall, and it's like 11 o'clock at night. My baby's sleeping. But I wrapped him up in a blanket, woke him up, and I was like, you know, come on, bud, you know. And as I was walking down the hall with the baby in my arms, he slapped me across the face and proceeded to call me more derogatory names. I was too upset to drive. I knew that. So I just walked to where my friend's party was. Not the best place to take an 11 month old, but it was the safest, closest place that I could go. So I got there, and my friend, right away, she put me into her bedroom where there was nobody there. And she called my mom. Cops were called again. Cops came. They couldn't find him. He had left our apartment. But he was calling me and telling me he was going to kill himself if I reported it. Mm-hmm. So now I had this guilt of, oh my God, if I report this, is he really going to kill himself? Because I didn't want that on my shoulders. Because I couldn't see that it was just a manipulation thing. And the cops ended up finding him. He did have a gun. And he was taken to jail again. And again, a family member bailed him out. His family member even went as far as blaming me for his son going to jail. And I believed everything. Because I was in such a bad state of mind that I believe that all those things that were happening to me were happening because I deserved it. Well, maybe I shouldn't have left him with the baby. Maybe I shouldn't have went to that party. Like, you know, so I really started to blame myself and I lost who I was. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people then said, okay, why don't you just leave? Cause it's not that simple to just leave. So I ended up staying for almost another year and a half, almost two years. Mm-hmm. And the rock bottom was we ended up losing our apartment. We got evicted because money was not going where it was supposed to be going. And that was my rock bottom. We were living with a family friend, and he was still drinking. At that point, he was on pain pills. 
and I was looking for places to live, like to get out of our family friend's house. Yeah. And he was not. And I'm like, you know what? I can't do this. Like he's okay with this life and I'm not. So he was at a doctor appointment and I called my mom and I said, you need to come get me and the kids. Like we're leaving with nothing. I don't care. We're leaving with the clothes on our back. I don't care. And she came and packed us up and we left and got divorced. The divorce took two years. And even during the divorce, it was a lot of sending me text messages of, if you go through this, I'm going to kill myself. I'm not good enough for you. I'm not good enough for the kids. I might as well just be dead. Like, so I really second guessed, like, oh my God, should I really go through with this divorce? But I did it and for the better. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me. I think your story shows how an individual who is a good manipulator or perpetrator can affect someone's life on a large scale, especially if the perpetrator is able to manipulate someone at an early age. Like you said, that he convinced you to not go to college. So it just shows the impact manipulators can have. Absolutely, yes. Was he abusive to the children or was he only abusive towards you? That I know of, he was never physically abusive to the kids. Um, I can say he was verbally abusive Mm -hmm. to my two-and-a-half-year-old because he would cry, like he'd get hurt or whatever, and he would say, suck it up, don't be a baby, don't be such a girl. Like So in that type of aspect, yeah, but not physically, but sometimes that emotional can be worse than the physical. After you were able to leave the situation, did you use any domestic violence resources? Um, to support yourself after or did you go back and like live with your mom how did you get back on your feet sure um I went and lived with my mom at that point I was not working I was a stay-at-home mom with the two kids so I stayed with my mom until I actually went and applied for a job and within two weeks of leaving him I had a full-time job so I got hired on the spot so while I stayed with her I saved up money to get into my own place there was a second-hand shop in our town that offers first month's rent or they'll pay either your first month's rent or your security deposit. Mm -hmm. So I went to them and they paid my security deposit for me. And then I just had to pay my first month's rent. And then I also used state assistance for like food because, you know, I use like those programs, but I didn't use any of the domestic abuse organizations out there. And then also just one more question about that. Some survivors express that their abuser continue to stalk them or emotionally like manipulate them um, after they've left the situation. Did you experience that after your divorce? Oh, absolutely, because our divorce was final in 2013, but since we had two kids involved, we always had to have that contact. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would take advantage of, because he was only supposed to reach out to me regarding the kids, obviously. But he would take advantage of that and kind of like work in little comments like, you're a bad mother. He accused me of being on drugs in front of our kids. So there was definitely that. Or he would text me saying, I see where you are. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So definitely some stalkerish. Um, I tried to get a restraining order at one point mm-hmm. against him for me and my kids, actually. Because we were gone and he sent a message that he was coming to the house to kill me and my kids. Because if he couldn't have the kids, then nobody could. Mm-hmm. And it actually got dropped because he didn't, or threats towards my kids. I could get it for myself, but I couldn't get it for my kids. Mm-hmm. Which was sad and scary at the same time. But yes, I definitely saw that he actually has no race kids as of February. Okay. Because he's an alcoholic. And so now he has no way of contacting me. Mm-hmm. So 
I changed my number and everything. So now I don't have to deal with any of that anymore. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And once again, just thank you for sharing your story with me. You're welcome. I am going to turn the conversation here a bit. You did tell me when you first messaged me that you are a domestic violence speaker. Um, but we haven't had a domestic violence speaker on the podcast before. So I just wanted to ask you a little bit about your job. So sure. one of the first questions I have is what type of events do you speak at? Okay, so I'm just starting actually. I just started in February. Right now my focus is doing high schools and middle schools mm -hmm. to talk to the youth because since I was around that age, I feel like that's the age group that I need to focus on because I feel like in school, yes, they talk about, you know, violence and stuff, but I think coming from someone that's been through it and not just their everyday teacher, that it may hit home a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So that's, or I've been reaching out to different organizations that have youth. Like I've spoken at a boys and girls club and I was actually on another podcast as well. So just starting, but yeah. And then what are some major points in your speech? I talk about the warning signs and I talk about the effect that it can have on you while you're going through it, as well as what experiences you're going to have when you get out of it. And that it's okay to have those days where you're going to cry and feel like you've made a mistake by leaving. Mm -hmm. Know that that's normal. Like, no, you did the right thing. And talk about how the resources that are available now, domestic abuse victims that try to leave like and I also talk about how friends can help if you're a friend and you see that your friend may be a victim how to approach that because I've had friends come up to me afterwards and go oh my god I had no idea you went through that they didn't know the warning signs either so I approach it from if you are the victim or if you're friend of the victim and then I talk about like I said how to process through it and encourage therapy and stuff like that i know you just said you're starting out but um currently how many speeches do you think you would give in a month i haven't done any lately honestly april i did four of them may i did one so june and july i haven't done any but my okay. goal is to be doing about one to two a month and then um if you felt comfortable if somebody wanted to reach out to you for you to speak where could they reach you at Sure. You can find me on, I have an Instagram page, which is BonnieMay0908. And on that page I have, I post different domestic abuse things. It's all domestic abuse related. But then there's also my Facebook page, which is Bonnie May Domestic Abuse Violence Advocate, I believe. And then for today, I just have one more question for you. And that is, what are your next steps in the future? Sure. My next steps are to really focus on getting my name out there and reaching out to more people than just the high school and the middle school. I really want to go to and be like keynote speakers places. So mm -hmm. that's my next steps is to figure out how to go about getting that stuff going. Well, we will all be sending you warm wishes and good luck on your journey ahead. And thank you for speaking with us again. And that concludes today's episode of Eden Not Broken. Please tune in next time.